Lauren says that you can't just pass rush all willy-nilly. And that's why Matthew Judon may be such a great fit for the New England Patriots, his brains. Burn Buckmaster says that after the Patriots' defensive edges were exploited repeatedly in 2020, adding Judon gave the team that much-needed stoutness. What does the tape say? What kind of impact will Matthew Judon have on the Patriots? And how optimistic should Patriot fans be? Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. Dear Pats Nation, what's going on? It's your boy Ray, aka your boy Shades. I'm with my man Lawrence Owen, also known as Law Dog. Welcome to the Patriots Outsider Podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you all had an opportunity on Friday night to go over and watch our latest film room done by my man Lawrence right over there. He talked about my man, my favorite signing of the offseason, Mr. Matthew Judon, also known as Matt Judon, also known as not a lot of sacks, but a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, this was the one I've been waiting forever to have Lawrence do, but I knew that Patriot fans were all excited about all the offensive additions, so we had to get through all of those first. Had to compare them to what the Patriots will be dealing with with the rest of the roster this season. Lawrence, let me tell you something, man. You did not disappoint me with that film room. Let me say, first of all, how are you? And great job on that film room. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing well, actually. Not too shabby. Um, I'm glad that you and others apparently like the film room. I, I noticed there's some some views and some likes on there. So it just makes me feel good that, uh, you know, the content that I'm able to put out for you guys that you ask for is, you know, well received. Not a single dislike on it, Lawrence, which uh, doesn't happen often on this channel. There's usually at least one or two. Let me go do that real quick. But but I wasn't there to piss anybody off, so it was just good. No, really, really, really well done. Let me start with what I liked the most. I think it was maybe like your third or fourth clip. And you talked about the brains of Matthew Judon, and more specifically – you talked about Tennessee dropping into, uh, or the sorry, Baltimore dropping into a zone defense, and Ju- and Judon going out in coverage, and basically his man was supposed to be Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith came out as an extra mm-hmm. blocker, didn't run a route like Baltimore was expecting. Now, what I found really interesting, and what you didn't mention is, is a lot of linebackers will get caught. You said you talked about how you know the flat is open and. But you didn't talk about how a lot of linebackers actually get caught in that position. They get caught standing in no man's land. Mm-hmm. And they almost, you know, sometimes I almost feel like they're trying to pretend like they're playing a spy, but they really have no assignment, nothing to do. It reminds me, truthfully, of when I started as a left guard and I would play a 3-4 defense and wouldn't have somebody lining up right over me. I had no idea who to cover. You know, like I would stand and be like, who am I supposed to block? (laughs) (laughs) Took me a while to learn, like either you help out your center or you try to take the linebacker coming in. So it was, uh, it was very different for me. 
Matt Judon recognizes right away that Jonu Smith is going out to block and he completely changes trajectory. And mm-hmm. it's funny because when you're watching your breakdown and you're doing it in slow motion, it seems like you have all this time in the world. But when you watch it in real mm-hmm. time, it's like a second and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. And Judon makes that decision and he goes barreling in and forces a bad throw from Ryan Tannehill. And we saw more and more examples of Judon using his head on the field. Could you talk a little bit about what you saw Matthew Judon and his decision making? And Maybe in line, because I know I can talk about it too, but what you see, maybe in line, why he could become a Bill Belichick favorite. Well, when it comes, okay, so here's the situation with Judon. Um, he he understands his role, right? He, he knows what his role is, and he's not going to step out of that role unless his role is, compl- as we you talked about that clip right there, unless his role is, is now utterly useless on the play, right? Um, but when he comes to the pass rushing, just general straight up pass rushing, he's not going to step outside of the role because he understands he's an edge guy, right? And he's got to generally hold that edge. And against in today's NFL, uh, you play against a lot of quarterbacks who are very mobile. You play against uh, running backs who are very good at just catching that flat route or a screen or something like that. So he can't just, he doesn't just run in no matter what he he's talking to his lineman beside him, whoever's there. Hey, are you going to, are you going to run this kind of uh, uh, thing? Or are you going to run this way? You're going to go this way. What is your plan on this guy before they, obviously before they get up to the line for, um, you know, cause he don't want to tell the offensive lineman what they're doing. Um, but this way he knows that his spot is taken care of. Like if he knows that a defensive tackle is going to go outside uh, against his guard, that that means that he might be able to run on the inside of his tackle. But you'll never see him run inside when another when the guy beside him runs inside as well, because unless he's got like a corner or something that's coming off the edge, because then that leaves that spot open. And you see that an awful lot in the NFL where guys, as you said at the the intro, you know, they will just, they'll blitz willy-nilly. You know, they'll rush the passer willy-nilly and you end up leaving an, an edge open for a, a quarterback to slip out the side or or um, or even uh, a delay. Uh, I don't know, like a, there, there's a lot of plays where you have um, delayed running back screens and things uh, where if, if he's not in that spot, it ends up going for huge, huge yards. So, yeah, Judon is very smart, and he understands that he's got more than just one job on the field, right? And that's that's what I like about Matt Judon. So I want to go back to, uh, yeah, and I, when you talk about those mobile quarterbacks, that, that Carson Wentz play you showed just really sticks out, how if you watch, Judon actually had the opportunity to beat the defender and try to slip inside, mm-hmm. but instead of doing that, he kept the edge because if he would have came to the inside and – he would have, and, and, and Wentz would have taken off. He had about eight yards in front of him before anybody was going to come close to touching him. Yep. And once, and if he did a good enough slide, he could pick up an even another two or three, depending where is, you know, how much airtime he got. So it was really interesting. And it was, that was something as much as I really liked Matt Judon, one of the reasons I love your film rooms, and this isn't me boosting them up for people to watch it. I hope people do, but it's just legit. Why I love them is why I watch them on your channel too. It's, those little nuances that I don't see during the game that, you know, you only kind of see on film Mm -hmm. and you saw him, he had the defender beat 
I mean, beat. And he could have came inside, but he knew I have no chance of getting to him. Maybe I could force a bad throw. Instead, I'm going to set the edge, force Carson to stand inside. And then I think it ended up a sack at the end of the day, like, or, or, or they got, or a bad throw, but he got to him and hit him. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the results were, but it turned into a whole lot of nothing for Philadelphia and, and just such a smart player. And I wasn't planning on going to the chat yet, but this was a really good one from McChicken. So I want to put it at you. Mm-hmm. And he says, basically, you know, Bill Belichick can coach up average edge rushers to stars. You know, what do you think a guy like Belichick could do with a guy like Matt Judon? Um, honestly, this might be a situation where it's not just what he could do with Judon. It's what he could do with uh, pairing Judon with specific other players on specific other plays, uh, getting them to understand how to work with each other just by a, a look or, or, you know, like how we talk about quarterbacks and wide receivers or offensive linemen having a feel for each other on the line. Same thing can be said about, you know, your, your defensive front seven, right? And with Belichick, I think that he would be able to get Judon and those other guys around him to kind of understand what each other are going to do without having to verbally express it. And if you could do that, that makes that defensive front seven that much better. So one of the questions I do have, I have for myself is because I was wondering this because they brought back Kyle Van Noy this year. Dante Hightower is returning. Dietrich Weiss Jr. is going to be the other edge rusher. You've got Lawrence Guy in the middle. Uh, Jawan Bentley is going to return as the other middle linebacker. And then you got the Chase Winoviches, the Josh Uches are going to rotate through. Judon is joining a defense with guys who really, really understand their roles and responsibilities and what they're supposed to do. And and Patriots have very do-your-job responsibilities. There's not a whole lot of – and what I like about Judon with that point is he sticks to his role, and that's the kind of guy that Belichick's going to love. He doesn't want people who are going to call their own audibles out there. It's one of the reasons that the first incarnation of Jamie Collins in New England wasn't working because Collins was going rogue. He was trying to be that linebacker who would just make you know, almost like a J.J. Watt who, and, the, and Lawrence Taylor, and I'm not comparing Collins to him, but how the play there was, okay, you go line up and decide where you're going to be. You know, like you'll know where you have to be and stand and, and, that's, and, and where, what you want to do on that play. But do you think Judon will be able to fit in quickly? Because you talk about getting to that point without having to verbalize and communicate. Do you think he'll be able to pick that up quickly and be able to gel with those guys sort of and move the way the other guys do? Yeah, I think so because of the simple fact that uh, this team practices the way they do. You know, Um, They all practice under the Bill Belichick way. And with, with Judon's already mindset from what I'm seeing on film, it kind of, like you said, it fits in. It fits in a lot uh, the way uh, the Patriots' defense runs and the way individuals are expected to perform on the field. So I think that it's it's kind of a niche that that or niche or whatever you want to pronounce it because it's pronounced so many different ways that Judon um, kind of fits and fills. And because he does uh, – fill that niche really, really well with the other guys around him, I think they'll they'll catch on with each other pretty quickly. So Judon hits the, the quarterback a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. People may be surprised if you haven't checked the stats to know that Matt Judon has never had double-digit sack numbers ever in his career. 
He's as much as he's known as being a pass rusher, as much as he's known as being a disruptor. Like I'm looking at his quarterback hits outside of his rookie season, 19, 20, 33, 21, but nine and a half sacks a couple of years ago was his highest ever sack total. And I just happen to know because I'm on this channel all the time, especially when the Matt Judon signing happened and we were talking about it. A lot of Patriot fans got really excited and basically were, you know, it's it's almost like that old Saxonville team. You know, Matt Judon's going to be there. He's going to be sacking quarterbacks like crazy, but he's not really a sack guy when you really, you know, when you compare him to the other quarterback rushers in the league. He's more of a disruptor. Is that a fair assessment to make a Matt Judon? In a way and in a way not. So we got to remember the team that he played on, right, and the teams that he played against, okay, during those four years with Baltimore. The team he was playing on, obviously, the Baltimore Ravens, and he had to play against Ben Roethlisberger, a quarterback that's very difficult to bring down. You could hit him all day, but half the time you slide off of him or, you know, he's able to stay up long enough to get rid of the football. And then you've got um, – generally, they're they're in that vicinity where they're playing Kansas City a lot, which everybody knows how, how difficult it is to, to uh, bring Patrick Mahomes down. Uh, another team that they played a lot was the Indianapolis Colts and the and the Houston Texans. Uh, usually very difficult to get to a quarterback quickly uh, for the Colts because of their offensive line the last few years. And then, of course, Deshaun Watson, you know, very, very difficult quarterback to bring down. So And the Patriots. Yeah, right. They played a lot. Who's got one who has had one of the best offensive lines for the last 10 years? Except, you exactly. Know, minus- exactly. So. Uh, you got to kind of look at who these guys are playing and why their stats are ending up the way they are, right? I think that, um, like, currently you're gonna he's going to be playing against Josh Allen twice, you know? So that's another situation where he's probably going to get some pressures. He's probably going to get some quarterback hits, but he may not get the sacks all the time. Um, who knows about with Tua, you know, who, who's the quarterback that's going to be for the Jets? You know, is it going to be Wilson? Is it going to be Fields? We don't know. Uh, kind of leans toward Wilson, I think. But um, you kind of got to look at who he's playing up against and and the teams that he's playing up against to really get a good look at why his numbers are what they are. So I'm going to tell you something that Raven fans have said to me. Not our boy Joe, because he was a big Judon guy as well, and he knew how much I loved him. And when he saw he got him, he just messaged me and said, you lucky, and I won't use the words he followed up with. But I don't know. So what I'm trying to determine is is whether this is bitterness or whether this is some reality. So I want to ask your question. There's a lot of Raven fans who have said to me or I've seen on Twitter or you know have messaged me just when we're DMing back and forth who have said to me that, Bill Belichick overpaid for Matt Judon. You're not getting the guy you think you're getting. Uh, Now, I haven't really been able to get an explanation. Is that just sour grapes from Baltimore fans because Judon's leaving? Or are we here in New England setting ourselves up for an expectation? Perhaps we could be set up for disappointment a la Michael Bennett signing with the Patriots. Well... It depends upon what your expectations of Matt Judon. If you're expecting, you know, oh, well, you paid all this money for Matt Judon, you're expecting, you know, 14 to 16 sacks a season, then prepare to be disappointed, okay? If you're if you're expecting a guy who's probably going to get anywhere between 8 and 12 sacks a season, 
and mo- and a lot of disruptive plays that you ain't going to notice right away, but you'll realize, oh, well, look, you know, this quarterback threw the ball away early because Judon was bearing down on him or something of that nature, then you're going to have exactly the guy that you want. So it just depends upon what your expectation is. And I think that the Ravens fans, their expectations of Matt Judon at certain fans are, were a little higher than what they really expected. or th- Their expectation was higher than what it should have been. And they were disappointed that he didn't stick around with the Ravens in the first place. Uh, so I think you got a little bit of sour grapes in that because they had to go out and, and sign uh, other pass rushers, right, over the past two seasons to go with Matt Judon because, well, they weren't getting all the sacks that they needed and they were blitzing a lot to get pressures and stuff like that. But that has issues with other things, not just individual play. It has a lot to do with scheme and how he plays with other guys around him, the other players in a, in aspect. Judon's snap count dropped last year as well. Mm-hmm. Now, some of that has to do with injury. Some of that had to do, I believe he was one of the people also out with COVID. Mm-hmm. So that was going to make a difference. But it was quite a significant drop from 791 the season before, 674, 787. He only played 563 snaps last season. Some people may look at that as a, a serious negative going into to this season. But... The Patriots are a team that believe in rotation, and they actually have a lot of edge guys when you look at Kyle Van Noy, at Dietrich Weiss, at Josh Uche, at Chase Winovich, and they love to rotate guys in and use guys in specific scenarios. So I'm kind of looking at it this year going, I bet you Judon will only get about 500 snaps with the Patriots on defense. Maybe he'll get a couple on. I know he's played special teams, so maybe he gets some more special team snaps, but because that's just the way the Patriots defense works. So his drop of snap counts last year, really, I don't believe is indicative of what we're going to see with the Patriots this season. Well, he was, there was a lot of movement when it comes to bringing, especially when it came to pass rushers in and out with Baltimore last year, that had a lot to do with it as well. Keeping them fresh. I mean, they went out, they, they had what Yannick and Gogway and, and other guys, you know, for, for periods of time over in Baltimore and they were just flipping guys in and out and around and stuff like that, trying to, um, trying to keep them fresh and Judon plays hard, right? He he really does. And that's a situation where you want to keep a guy fresh. So you're not going to have him down, uh, on every drive or, or, you know, every snap of every drive. So, uh, you could see him only paying 60%, very similar to what he did last year. But that'll that'll mean that the, the time that he's on the field, he will be playing at a higher performance and you'll get more out of him during that period of time. It's always good to have good depth so that you can really rotate your guys in and out, not have to drop in production nearly as much and keep those guys healthy uh, and, and fresh so that they can – perform better overall as a team uh, throughout a game and throughout the season. Yeah. And Judon really just has a role. Like you said, he's an edge guy and he's there for the, he's there to, for the pass rush as well. He's not an edge guy to set the edge in the run game for the most part. I'll ask you to talk a little bit more about it, but out of 563 snaps last year, 165 of those were run defense, 302 were rushing the passer. And that's 
a little unbalanced because if you go back to like 2018, he had 674 snaps, 207 on run, 348 on pass rush. Last year, it's almost like they were almost exclusively using him as a pass rusher. Because of the talent the Patriots added and what I expect him to do in the draft, I feel like that's going to be his role on the Patriots this year too. Would it shock you if we only saw Judon on obvious pass situations? given what this Patriots roster is going to look like, or do you think Belichick is going to want to try to use him more? I think he'll end up using him more because if you bring him out only on pass rush situations, you're kind of tipping your hat a little bit. And I don't think Belichick is stupid enough to do something like that. Uh, He seems like a very smart head coach. You know what I mean? You think? (laughs) I didn't mean mean only, but I meant... (laughs) I know you got to mix it up a little bit, Mm -hmm. but could you see, and the Patriots don't play a lot of zone, right? They play a lot of man to man. Mm -hmm. What, you know, do you see Judon? And I don't know if I really see Judon as a, as a big coverage guy in in a man to man defense, especially when you got a lot of safeties on the team who play linebacker. And now you brought in Jalen Mills, who's probably going to be the strong safety. Who's probably going to take on the, the, the tight ends. So even though he'll be out there as decoys at some points to, to stop the run, well, if, I mean, if he can, he can stop them. And I know you did show a great example, mm-hmm. too, of him stopping running backs. I think it was against the Colts was uh, was one of your examples. Was it not that you sh- you showed him? Uh, oh, good Lord. I can't remember because I went through so much film. When I think he was that. stopping J.J. Taylor, how he just he just got right before he could even get – J.J. Taylor looked like he was about – not J.J. Taylor. Um, Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor was just about to get to the second level and, and basically – Judon fought his way out of tough blocks and got to him and, and, and wrapped him up. I, I just, because the Patriots rotate so much, I think like back to the Chris Long days when he was here, like he was a third down pass rusher. That's what he did. You know, he got mixed in and regular season's always a little bit different. You kind of tip your hat more in the playoffs of what you're doing defensively than you do during the regular season. Uh, and it went, once we got to the playoffs, if you saw Chris Long, you knew he was rushing the passer. There was no, uh, there was no, no, no word about no no guessing game on that because he only played third down and long but i think that even though he will be out there for run plays his primarily responsibility is going to be go get the quarterback well most likely uh i think watching the film and i have seen a little bit of uh the patriots defense through other film work and i would probably say judon is the the most prevalent pass rusher you have currently um, from yeah, what I've seen the last last couple seasons. Um, I don't think but, a single Patriots fan would argue with you. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but, again, he is a smart defensive end. And not just defense. He can play linebacker, right? I mean, he, he, can, he can play that outside linebacker position if he needs to. And I just disappeared. Sorry. But I, that's I, okay. I, was to, I was trying to mute myself. <laughs> but he um, – I think he would be good on multiple downs, but you're probably right. You'll probably want him in there more often on like second and third and longs. Uh, first and 10. Now, if, if you got a, a, a situation where you walk out there, it's first and 10 and, and the offense has got five wide. I, I don't see how Judon's not out there. You know what I mean? But, at the same time, you're probably right. They'll probably use him mostly as a pass rusher. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we'll get to the live chat. And this question, it's going to sound a little wonky, but I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. 
I was somebody who I was willing to give up limbs for the Patriots to acquire a Mr. JJ Watt, as everybody knows. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to determine if this is the Homer in me or if this is actually me trying to look at this from a football perspective as a fan, I'm not an expert in football, but as a fan, I'm actually much more satisfied with the Judon signing because of how he will fit the Patriots defense and because of his age rather than I was with the JJ than I would have been with the JJ Watt signing a from a health perspective B from a, a fit perspective because of rotation. I still, I still think JJ expects to play a lot of football and I don't know if the Patriots would give him as much football as he wants. And then B from the years that he can give the Patriots Whereas I don't think it's unfair to say that JJ has taken a step backwards. I mean, he's so good that step backwards is still better than most people's best, but he's taken a step backwards. You're almost kind of starting to see this short, small decline of JJ Watt. Am I crazy by saying this right now? Is this just my Homer pumping out of me or what's your thoughts? I think maybe a little bit, but at the same time, um, JJ Watt long-term. Yeah. You got to go with Matt Judon. Uh, obviously age, age situation is there, but JJ, yeah, he, he's, he's dipped a little bit, but he's been, he was healthy last year and he played well last year and he still got that ability to completely and utterly wreck and take a game over all on his own from any spot on that defensive line. And that's why JJ Watt is JJ Watt, even in today's football, you know, and you, you can't pass up a guy like that, even if it's for one year. I mean, one year when you've got a guy in there that can literally just remove two guys that are blocking him and destroy somebody in the backfield because there's nothing that any any other team can do, he still has that ability. Um, very much like the Aaron Donald situation, just not as often as you see from Aaron Donald in today's uh, football because you're right, his age is there. And they're going, you know, he's going to have limited snaps to keep him more fresh long term. Whereas Aaron Donald is is more of a, a younger presence and can still still has that that breath, you know, at the end of the at the end of a game when he has a lot of snaps. But yeah, Matt Judon, I think because of his youth and uh, the, the the way that Belichick likes to partition his defense out um, that it's just a good fit. You know, JJ wants more of a, I'll do anything and everything. I don't think this question is crazy. I, I wasn't planning on asking it, but I'm going to ask it to you. Cause I don't think it's crazy when it's all done and over with, and both guys are retired and they're both sitting at home. Who do you think is going to be looked at as the better player, Donald or JJ? Currently, right now, JJ Watt, like obvious. I mean, he's just yeah. done it for a lot longer. Uh, Donald, if he continues what he's doing, I think he's going to put his name in with that list. And I think it's going to be very, very tight. If he has another two or three years, the way, you know, he's done the last couple years, the way JJ Watt was just so dominant, you know, defensive player of the year, year after year after year, right? Uh, the way Donald's doing right now, then I believe that uh, Donald will will put his name in that hat, and it'll it'll be a tough decision between the two. Um, but like you said, like that's 
that's estimating that he's, he continues on a trajectory that he's at right now, because right now, JJ Watt still, in my opinion, is uh, the better overall player uh, for career wise. Do you think that because he, I mean, Donald gets defensive players of the year, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, right now, he's the best defensive player mm -hmm. in the NFL. I don't care what position you point to. He is the best player in the NFL mm -hmm. at this moment. He might be the best player in the NFL at this moment when you talk about his impact on a game. But do you think that his position sort of being, it's not as sexy as an edge slash linebacker, right? It's not that interior defensive lineman. It's like a DeForest Buckner. It's a sort of a big guy that kind of just fights in the trenches. Do you think that that could be a blowback on him when, well, you get guys like me sometimes who just, you know, we debate for the sake of debating that he could get lost in that mix just because he's not in that quote unquote sexy position. You know what I mean? I don't currently in today's NFL, maybe. But I am predicting that in the next three to five years, that defensive tackle, those big-time pass-rushing, disrupting defensive tackles will be looked to more than your defensive ends. So I, I think I, I think, think it's already there. Really? I think it's already there. I All I've talked about this year, I'm like, if the Patriots don't trade up and get a quarterback, which it's looking like they're not, I would rather them take a linebacker because we need to address the linebacking core or a defensive tackle who can get pressure up the middle mm -hmm. and, and, and get pressure on the quarterback, not just stop the run. Because uh, we haven't really had a guy since Vince Wilfork who could you know disrupt the line and get through and put pressure on the quarterback. Adam Butler did it from time to time. Lawrence Guy did it from time to time. But they – they're not Wilfork. They're not, you know, they're not Buckner. They're not Aaron Donald. And I'm not just talking from a skill set level. I'm just talking or from, you know, talent level because we know Aaron Donald's the, the cream of the crop. I'm not expecting the next Aaron Donald, but from a skill set level, being able to get that pressure up the middle, that's my desire for the Patriots is to find that guy. And I, I think it's here because quarterbacks have learned how to shift around the pocket when it's collapsing on the outside. The best of them, including Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, no matter who, when that pocket is collapsing from the inside, they, they look like deer in the headlights. That's it's facts. And it's, and it's even worse when you're a scrambling quarterback because uh, a scrambling quarterback, their first instinct is to run away from, you know, whatever pressure is coming. And if it's coming directly at them, their first instinct is run backwards. And that is the worst possible thing you could do as a quarterback. Right. So well, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes who, Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, as great of a quarterback he is, probably has some of the worst pocket presence in the NFL. Mm -hmm. he, is, he, he does not find the soft spot at all. He His first instinct is to run away from pressure. And I think this year he took like a 30-yard sack from running backwards trying, mm -hmm. to get, trying to get away from pressure. Yeah. And, and at that point, I don't know why you're not throwing the football. I mean, you're way out of the <laughs> intentional grounding zone. Well, uh, as long as you're outside the tackles, it doesn't matter yep. if you're 50 yards behind. If you're still inside the tackles, it's intentional grounding, right? Yep. So that's that's the thing. You know, if it's coming right up the gut, you're running straight backwards, which means you're not going left or right right away. And that's scary because your defensive ends, they're the guys that once once the defensive tackle gets inside and makes that quarterback step backwards, defensive ends now can just run straight up the hash marks right up the edge they'll, they'll outrun those tackles every day those offensive tackles they'll outrun them straight straight line speed all day every day and 
then the quarterback has nowhere to go because he can't get outside the tackles because the defensive ends, you know, you just set the defensive ends up. That's why the defensive tackle position is so important in today's NFL. And that's what's really, really scary because you was talking about, you know, that's something that you want for your team. It's the reason why Ballard made the trade with San Francisco last year, because he knew how important that defensive tackle in today's NFL really, really is. Uh, now, five years ago, you wouldn't have been like, five years ago, most people wouldn't have been, oh, I'll take Geno Atkins over Vaughn Miller. You know, most people would be all about wanting Vaughn Miller. But in today's NFL, a Geno Atkins is more prevalent than the Von Miller is. Uh, it's funny. And then that will change the offensive line too, right? Because the blindside mm -hmm. tackle has been so important for so long. Everybody was always going to overpay for a left tackle. It's, you know, look, and we've seen it happen. Trent Brown, Nate Solder, they back-to-back -back years left the Patriots and became the highest paid tackles in the NFL. Whereas now, and I mean, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are a prime example taking Joe Tooney, interior linemen are going to become that much more important because they're, those are the guys that are basically going to be going head-to-head -head with the Aaron Donalds of the world. So def interior defensive tackles are going to get paid, and because of that, they're going to get interior offensive linemen and centers paid, and it's just going to change the whole structure of, of the big men's paydays, you know? Oh, uh, well, that and when Quentin Nelson gets his payday next year, is it's going to reset the, the inner offensive line market. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, we only needed one or two seasons in the NFL, and we would have been set for life. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I, I am agree. eligible. Just I put it out on Twitter last night. <laughs> I am eligible. I'm only 35. I still got a couple good years left in me. If I'm drafted, I will quit smoking, and I will con I will consider quitting smoking, and I will consider working out and dieting. Uh, it all depends on how much of a bonus you give me. I'm too old, but I'll be more than happy to be any type of assistant coach or an assistant period or someone who will go out there and do film work for anybody. I don't care, <laughs> but I'm too I, old to play. I would be the worst coach on a team. Everything was great, Bill. Everything looks great. We're losing 50 to nothing. No, no, no. They look great. They look great. They look great, Bill. Every, <laughs> are they wearing a jersey? They look good. All right. So I do want to get to some of the comments here. I'm way behind because I wanted to – this was interesting to me. Now, I'm reading these in reverse order, but it'll make sense. So uh, Psychological says the defense is always good, but that was a follow-up to his first tweet that said, I hope the offense looks better than it did the last three years. And then he said the defense looks, you know, the defense is good. But I don't want to talk about the offense per se right now. But what I do want to talk about is I want you to kind of give your take on how a good defense can help an offense. And what we saw last year with the Patriots was a team who was, you couldn't really pass against them. It was difficult to pass against them but you could bully them in the run game. Uh, very similar to a former Colts defense we knew very well. Mm -hmm. It was hard to throw on them, so we'll just run 260 yards down your throat, and you know it, it eventually hurts you. How can a good balanced defense like the Patriots have right now where it looks like it's going to be difficult to throw and run, so I'm expecting not every, every drive, but I am expecting a lot of three and outs. How does that help an offense be better on top of what Belichick did player personnel wise to make that offense better. Iron sharp iron sharpens iron, right? Uh, you you've heard that saying multiple times, I'm sure. Um, just flat out, if you the, the better you are in a specific spot, when you when you have elite talent, even going up against average or just good talent, then that's gonna help the good talent. And if you got two elite talents fighting off against each other, 
then the sky's the limit, right? Um, again, I hate bringing up the Colts, but when you got DeForest Buckner going up against Quentin Nelson on a daily basis, right, you know, practicing against each other, that's only going to make both of those guys who are already all pros that much better. Um, when it comes to the Patriots, man, you were able to run at will, you know, often not at will, but the, that was the strength of your offense. And that was also the weakness of your defense. So you could not legitimately tell, is our run game really that good, right? Um, just by practice. And then in the passing game, you were having troubles throwing the football, but that was the strength of your defense. So you couldn't really tell, is our you know passing defense really that good or or is our passing offense that bad? Oh, fans will tell you it was just that bad. If you no, well, I, I, I get you. <laughs> I get you. But when you're when you have good balance on defense, then that is a really good measuring stick for your offense to know what your real strengths are and who's good at doing what they need to do and who you need to just go, you know what, this dude needs to be replaced or this person here uh, has has a chance to become something later on. So I'm always. I've, I've always been uh, of the opinion you want to build a defense and an offensive line before you build, you know, the the, the special uh, flair guys on your offense. But that's just me. No matter what happens, and, and I, I have the same opinion as you, no matter what happens to offenses across the NFL, whether they adopt the college style, whether they bring back the pocket passer, whether you bring back, everybody becomes Michael Vick and you just have these most elite talents across the NFL. No matter what happens, no matter what version of the NFL we see, whatever era in 50, 60, 70 years from now, when I am long dead and there's some other idiot in sunglasses sitting on some other platform, cause YouTube probably won't exist. He is going to say the exact same words that I'm going to say right now. Offenses win games, defenses win championships. Mm. And you need both. You need both. You can't win with a bad offense. Well, you can. We've seen it. But for the most part, you need at least a, a ca capable offense. But offenses win games, defenses win championships. And that's a fact. But the, the to your point, you got to win enough games during the regular season with your offense to even get to the playoffs to win a championship. That's why you need more of a balanced offense. You need a balanced team, really, in today's NFL. We've seen two prime examples in Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. It almost was back to back, but it wasn't. But they both involved Tom Brady, so there's there's a good good adjective. But if you go back to Super Bowl Fifty Three, Patriots versus the Rams. What I think a lot of fans forget is the Rams were one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL that season. Mm -hmm. I think they were second behind the Kansas City Chiefs. And what did the Super Bowl end up? Uh, 13 to 3? Yeah. Now, this Super Bowl that just happened, offensively, Tom Brady did enough to win most mm -hmm. teams a Super Bowl. But the Kansas City Chiefs are also a team that's capable of putting up 45, 50 points if they, you know, if they need to. And that Tampa Bay defense made Patrick Mahomes look like a guy. I mean, Patrick Mahomes' most iconic shot now 
that I see all the Chiefs fans flaunting. The my buddy, the, the chief artist, painted a picture of it as him flying across the air throwing the football. And I try to remind Chiefs fans that was an incomplete pass. You know, the most mm-hmm. iconic moment for the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl was an incomplete pass because Tom Brady didn't even have to play in that offense, didn't even have to play as well as they did because of how great their defense played. The fact that they did just turned it into a blowout that by the fourth quarter, we knew it was over. I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of knew by the third, by the fourth, it was it was confirmed. Just uh, absolutely the prime example, but you're right. During the regular season, though, there's going to be games you need your offense to pull off the victory. There's going to be those those things before your defense can take over going into the playoffs because, again, no matter what the offenses look like, the Tampa Bay offense of this year, the Patriots offense, uh, even the San Francisco offense of the year before, running the football and defense can bring you a long way. You mix in a quarterback like Tom Brady who can throw the ball, you run the football well, and you play good defense. It's just gravy on top of everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I can't disagree. You got to have – you have a basis for how you want to build a team. You stick with that basis, and you don't ride away from it. And once you get what you want established, that's when you go out and you get those other guys. And that's generally – you know, you want your your trenches built first. I know that it's weird because the the Patriots have had such a great secondary uh, for so long, and it's kind of odd because that's how their defense was really built on um, last year and the and in the, the last few years. Is you just ha- can't throw on them. But in my opinion, I think the trenches are incredibly important because that's that that is protecting your quarterback and opening holes for your running game. It's also stopping the running game and getting after a quarterback, right? And I think Belichick recognized that as well. You don't sign Davin Gotcha and Henry Anderson because mm-hmm. you you only sign them to stop the run. That's the only reason you brought those two guys in. And you only bring in Henry Anderson, who I do actually, I know there's not a lot of film, but would love a film room on him because, I mean, you said that's the most underrated signing they made this offseason is, is Henry Anderson. So I'd love to uh, to see that breakdown as well. But, uh, you know, that was it. The Patriots could not set the edge. They couldn't set the middle. They couldn't get like guys get out, you know. I don't know how many running backs we saw break the first level time in and time again, time in and time again. And then the, the second level struggled to take them down. It's, it's brutal. Uh, I got one from McChicken vlogs here that goes back to Judon. I know guys, I'm way behind Lawrence and I are chatty tonight. Um, says Judon is more than an edge rusher. I think people need to realize that when you label him as a pure edge rusher and he's only getting five sacks or whatever, it doesn't do him justice. Fair comment. Kind of. You know, um, like I said, uh, when it comes to pass rush, most coaches, teams, uh, scouts don't look at sacks as a num- as the number they're looking. They're looking for pressures and quarterback hits, all right, because that's the disruption that you're looking for from a pass rusher. Now, us as spectators, we look at the hard numbers, you know. Well, this guy only gets five sacks. There's a reason why Jadavian Clowney is, you know, getting getting money still, even though he's not getting the sacks. It's because he's really good against the run and he still can get some pressures, right? Uh, same with Judon. Same with a bunch of other guys. Sometimes you don't get, uh, with today's NFL, sometimes you're not going to land the sacks because of how uh, quickly quarterbacks can run away. But if you can, 
make them make a mistake or hurry them up, you know, as they step away from you, then you did your job. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I, I understand where McChicken's coming from, but at the same time, uh, I don't think that's how coaches and, and trainers and things like that actually look at it. You want the numbers as a player. Obviously you want to be like, well, crap. I, I wanted to have 15 sacks. There should have been 10 of those that should have been sacks, but you know what? I forced an incomplete pass or I forced a fumble or, or something, or, or I made a bad, made him throw a bad pass, which got intercepted, you know, that's always stuff that you're looking at as well. Well, and I'll give you some numbers that, that perhaps should excite, would excite scouts and should excite Patriot fans. Uh, and I'm using PFF and I'm using uh, pro football focus just because they, and I'm not talking, I'm just giving pure stats here. This isn't analytics. 21 quarterback hits in 2020, 18 hurries. I mean, 18 hurries. That's phenomenal. Uh, he only had six missed tackles throughout all of last season. He had another 13 assisted quarterback hits, you know, where it only got a half. He had a total combined of 39 quarterback hits when you look at solo and assisted hits. I mean, 18 hurries and 39 hits on the quarterback. That is such a phenomenal number. And it's num- it's a number that won't show up on a regular game sheet because you're not looking at, you're looking at that. But 18 hurries in a season, what more can you ask for out of your edge rusher? Well, uh, there's a stat that you it's not quantifiable because of those hurries and quarterback hits and sacks that all built up together. Every time you hurry a quarterback, every time you hit a quarterback, put him on the back, put him on his back on the ground, that puts a seed inside that quarterback's head. And it's telling him, I got to hurry the ball. I got to hurry my clock up inside. Right. Which means that's going to mean that receivers are not going to be able to run their full routes. He's not going to be able to go through all of his progressions. He's looking to get rid of that ball a lot quicker. And that means less long balls, less um, uh, air yardage, things of that nature. So even even the hits and the pressures are taking a toll on the opposing offense and it's a huge boon for the defense. So this is an interesting one coming up here. Wade says, I watched the Ravens podcast when Judon joined and he agreed a lot of Ravens fans expectations were too high. So I don't know what the Ravens expectations were. And perhaps that's where the Ravens fans have been saying to me, he's going to disappoint you as an outsider who has no emotional investment into the Patriots. If you were trying to set the expectations for Patriots fans of what we should expect out of Matt Judon, I know, this, I know this is a loaded question. This seems like a simple question, but it's loaded. But how would you sort of explain what kind of expectations we should have in Matt Judon this year? I expect Judon to have anywhere between 50 and 60% of the defensive snaps. Uh, I wouldn't expect more than nine or 10 sacks this season. But you could see more turnovers because of Judon being on the team. And it won't be a direct result of his play, but it will be because of him, because of the pressures and the hits and things of that nature, hurrying up a quarterback or even getting back there quick enough to uh, mess up the exchange between a quarterback and the the running back in a running game. That happens quite often too. Judon's very quick on that first step and it's got a great closing speed. So Judon has that ability. 
I like I said, uh, your your regular stat numbers don't set your expectations above ten sacks. And one one thing we didn't touch about on the beginning, which I kind of meant to but forgot, so it's actually the perfect time to bring it in, is I think it was on your very first clip you talked about his stride and how big his mm. stride is. And that he's able to do things that other edge rushers aren't because of that stride. For anybody who missed it, do you want to explain that a little bit uh, of wh- why his stride is so important? Well, his stride cuts down the time between reaction of what a blocker, an offensive blocker, can do. Okay, so if you, if a if a if a defensive lineman can take one stride and either get inside or outside of you just off of one stride, then that offensive lineman has to be ready for anything, right? Now, if it takes two strides like mo- or, or a stride and a half, like most defensive ends have and are able, you know, when they make their pass rush, that gives them that half a second moment more. Also, because it's only one stride, your upper body does not um, – tell the offensive lineman nearly as much uh, of what your plan is to do, because I, I don't know if you, if you could understand this, uh, how your body language is up top, as opposed to where you're stepping with your legs. Because if you're, if you're taking two steps to make something, your body is shifting, right? And, and the offensive lineman can see that upper body and know, well, your legs are going this way. I'm going to go that way as well. But if you can move past an offensive lineman with one stride in either direction, then your body doesn't make that turn until you've already landed that step at the end of your stride. And that is very difficult to defend against. So when you broke that down on the film room, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I stopped paying attention to what you were saying and stopped paying attention to Judon for a minute because I was focused in on that offensive lineman. And as a former offensive lineman myself, it was actually funny to me. It was comical to see just, I mean, it was awful. His Mm -hmm. foot, his, he was, he was upright. His feet were out of whack. His hands were down. Everything was Judon had him looking so stupid. And I can't remember who the tackle was. He's not even a bad tackle. And he looked so stupid. And then I looked at the stride. You had a pause when I kind of stopped laughing. And I saw the gap in between Judon's legs where that stride is. And then you played it a little further. And what I found so interesting, and you don't see this ever, and you did mention it. So then the offensive lineman got his hands up. They weren't mm-hmm. up here. They were down right here. Judon, okay, so again, as a lineman, when someone would try to, would be with my hands, they were always trying to get my hands over my head, right? Mm-hmm. Like, stand me up. But the guy was already stood up. He was already in such a bad spot. Judon brought his hands down and mm-hmm. used his energy and brought his hands down and then came in. I think he eventually got the sack on top of it. Uh, I it was the equivalent of a whiff in baseball. It was the equivalent of tripping on center ice in hockey. Like he made, it was a, a you know, a, a nutmeg in soccer. He made the defenseman or the, the tackle look so dumb on that play. And if you guys don't like watching film, just go watch the first two minutes of, of Lawrence's film room because it's the first bit that he shows. It's if you're an offensive lineman, you'll laugh just like I did because of how dumb he made the offensive lineman look. And it kind of put a smile on my face after because I thought, oh man, this guy can this guy can 
be disruptive, not just to quarterbacks, but he can screw up a whole offensive line. Because my next thought was, and you didn't get into this, but this is where I got into it as an offensive lineman. I sat there and thought, okay, if I was playing tackle and that happened to me, what would I do on the next play when he's lined up beside me? I'd probably probably, overcompensate. I would be low. I would be stepping inside instead of outside. I would do everything. And then I would just let them run around me because I'd be so far out of position because I would overcompensate the other way so much. It's the Mm -hmm. biggest mind screw in the world. And I'm telling you to appreciate those little nuances and how funny he made that, that, that old man, that old lineman look, uh, you had me cooked on that, on that film room from the opening minute. And, and and just my validation of Matt Judon, because I remember telling everybody last year and going into this year how much I love Judon. I didn't think he'd be a Patriot. I never saw it coming, but I'm so happy he is. And uh, I know like McChicken's an offensive lineman. I know there's a few offensive linemen in here. I'm sure they found it just as humorous as I did to, to see just how stupid he made the offensive lineman look. He did that to a few different uh, offensive linemen, but I didn't want to get into, uh, you know, the details of just showing basically the same thing over and over and over. He's done that a few times last year, what I saw. Uh, for old but, linemen, that would have been like, would have just been like the whole thing for us. We would have just been there. It would have turned in from a film breakdown to a comedy fest. Of, yeah, look well, how stupid he makes them look. The way, the way I see the way Judon was running that move, it was equivalent to an offensive lineman seeing Dwight Freeney's spin move against them for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes you look stupid. And now, and then once it happens, like you said, and, and you, anytime you're, you're a player and something happens that makes you look stupid, you are trying so hard for that not to happen again, that you end up overcompensating. And the guy across from you is expecting that. And he's going to do something that's going to, uh, make you look stupid two times in a row. Yeah, because I thought the same thing. I would have stepped inside. Mm-hmm. I would have, there's no, my hands would have been up before the ball was snapped. I could have got a false start. I thought about all that stuff. I thought like I would be, my hands would be shaking. I'd be trying to jump up <laughs> so quickly. Mm-hmm. And not only that is I'd immediately be cheating to the inside thinking he's going to do the same thing. And then this mother effort is just going to push my arm up and run around me and I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead, you know, dust in the wind by the time I realize he just screwed me again. And then after the second time, that's when uh, you'll be pulled and sat down and your offensive line coach will be like, look, you can't let this dude get in your head. No, just play <laughs> your game. Play your game. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was unbelievable. Uh, Light Shadows has an interesting one here. It says, Judon will be the perfect fit for the Bill Belichick defense. Look at what BB did with Van Noy when he got him from Detroit. Expect this time it will be double as good uh, with both Judon and Van Noy together. And I think a lot of Patriot fans are looking forward to that combination on either side. Two good pass rushing linebackers who can do some interesting things. I actually think I'd want my next film room to be, when I say mine, I mean the next film room that you're going to put all the hard work into to be Kyle Van Noy because of to talk. So, so when we come back and do Patriots outsider, which will not be next Sunday, by the way, people, Lawrence is, uh, the Indy Express are at home next Sunday, so he will be calling the game. So we're not going to be disappointed because we're going to be watching the Indy Express. I think we agreed Monday you were going to come on, correct? Yeah. So yeah, we'll just be a day late. But I'd love to have get into a deeper conversation after watching Van Noy and saying, how do we see those kind of those two kind of working together? So is Van Noy cool? Can we do Van Noy as the next film room? 
Yeah, I can do that. I just that'll actually help me out too because that'll that'll uh, allow me to see how they're going to use Judon more. Perfect. So yeah, so we can have that that exchange of how we see both guys being used. Okay. Okay. So I know I am way like I am so far behind. Yeah, we're already like an hour into it, and <laughs> we've gotten the what two or three questions. Yeah, we're chatty tonight. <laughs> we're chatty tonight. Somebody's birthday is in there. Happy birthday, Annie. Yeah, it's our boy Marcus. Marcus, what's up, buddy? Special shout out to my girlfriend's birthday. Please, Ray, Annie's birthday is tomorrow, 32 years old. Happy birthday, Annie. Happy, happy birthday. Marcus, we always, always, always get to your question, dude. Uh, because I'm so far behind, I'm, people are in the middle of conversations now, and I'm trying to just like find a. It's all good. McChicken's talking a lot tonight, which is nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, it is. Snap time likes that I will consider quitting. Yes, <laughs> there's no guarantee. The only time there's a guarantee that I'm gonna quit anything is when I uh is is for big money. I mean, let's face it. Ray will give you six million if you quit smoking. I'd be like, where's the patch? <laughs> Get rid of these nasty things. Uh I want to play defensive tackle or something on the line, but I'll probably have to wait two to three years because one, the team is stacked, too young. I am assuming you mean high school ball. I thought that I thought he you, says he's 15 years, so so it's gotta be high school ball. You gotta wait three years. You're gonna be your senior year by the time you start, man. Yeah. I can't find anything, honestly. These guys are all having uh He Man handled Johnu as well. Uh grown man stuff. Judon is uh is physicality nothing short nothing less i saw two matchups between uh johnny smith and matt judon um when i was watching that game where they faced each other two matchups where one time judon won against um johnny smith and another time where johnny smith damn near pancaked matt judon so um that's that's a good thing because that that'll be a matchup that you're going to see quite a bit uh, practicing against. So again, we talk about iron sharpens iron. So it's it's just a, a good thing to get two guys with the talent that they have on the same team. I like that. I like that. I love that. I never heard that iron sharpen iron. I really like that. Really? Uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, NFL better look out the Patriots, whose entire team will have a big ass chip. <laughs> I think Balachak will probably have a chip on his shoulder. I'm sure Cam will have a chip on his shoulder. A lot of those guys just got paid a lot of money. They may not have a big they may not have that big of a chip on their shoulder. I think the Patriots fans have probably have a bigger chip on their shoulder than the players because the players are professional guys who go out here and know, you know, they already knew um that that they that I'm sure they went out and played the best that they could, but you can only do so much with what you have. You know, now they they got guys out there uh, that they can you know, believe that they can go further this season. So I don't think it's necessarily a chip. I think it's more of a, a professionalism with the guys. Now, us as fans, we're going to say chips, you know, and 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 some players will will say that when there really isn't one there. Right. Like there's some guys that'll be like, well, this guy didn't count me as a, or I wasn't counted as a all pro this year. So I have a chip. Oh, whatever, dude, you know, better, you know, you're just trying to say that so that you can um, act like, you know, people better pay attention to me more. 
uh, we Man- all know manufactured anger, right? Yeah. We, I call that a lot in football. There's a lot of manufactured anger in, in, in the NFL, especially mm-hmm. Lawrence, we have hit the hour mark, man. Uh, we chatted a lot. We were chatting today, but I, I think we, we settled. I hope we were entertaining. You're much smarter than me. I just come in with the white, with the crack jokes, but, uh, before we hit the road, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Hey, I appreciate that. My name is Lawrence Owen. If you can't tell right here, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Colts underscore law. You can find me on, uh, Facebook. I got a Facebook page called Colts law and on YouTube, Lawrence Owen, uh, where I generally have Colts stuff, but I cover the entire NFL. He's also the voice of the Indy Express, the professional basketball team. He doesn't like to talk about it. I do. So I will talk about it. Uh, Guys, that's it for now. I will be back in just under an hour with Connor for the first edition of the week of the Deer Pats Nation podcast. Interesting one tonight. We're talking quarterbacks, believe it or not. And we're talking about how Cam Newton could actually be the biggest influence of whether the Patriots trade up for a guy like Justin Fields. So... That's interesting because uh, there was just a mock draft that uh, one of my Colts guys did that they went through every pick in the draft and actually um, Mac Jones got drafted to you guys at 15. Mac Jones at the beginning seemed like he made the most sense. What we will be discussing tonight, don't give your answer because then I'll give mine and I don't want to, then I'm just going to ruin tonight's podcast with Connor. But what we're going to be discussing tonight, and it was actually Greg A. Bedard who brought this up and I never thought of it this way, but it really made me think. Justin Fields is like a mini Cam Newton. Same with Trey, Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a little bit different. He's a little bit of a freakier quarterback in his skill set. But, you know, both of them very similar skill set to Cam Newton. How the Patriots feel about Cam Newton will be a big influence on not him as a person, but on his game will be an influence on how they draft. Do they see themselves going forward with a Cam Newton-like quarterback? Or do they want to go back to that traditional pocket quarterback which would be a mr mac jones and connor and i will be discussing that tonight surprise surprise we're talking about quarterbacks again lawrence always gets the good subjects where we get to talk about non-quarterback stuff but uh you know it it always comes back to the quarterback guys i appreciate y'all lawrence ain't gonna say this so i am the patriots are gonna be legit kid We want to thank all of our Dear Pats Nation loyalty club members over at patreon.com slash DPN sports. For only $5 a month, Connor and I record an exclusive webcast Sunday through Thursday. So if you like all the free content that we offer here, can I suggest that you check out our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash DPN sports. We don't have any tiers. We don't charge you for different levels of access. We have one tier at one cost, five bucks. You'll get five webcasts a week and you can participate in our Patreon exclusive live stream every second Friday. You can hang in the chat. You can join Connor and I on the screen and have a voice-to-voice conversation with us and other Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club members. But in order to get the content, you have to join the club. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash Sports. If you'd like to check it out, we have left a link to the Dear Pats Nation Patreon page wherever and however you are listening or watching. And guys, there are many different ways that you can support Dear Pats Nation, but the only way that you can do that in style is by visiting the Dear Pats Nation merch shop over at teespring.com slash stores slash DPN. And when you're there, get your hands on the newest DPN apparel, t-shirts, mugs, 
hoodies, whatever you want, get it all at our merch store at teesprings.com slash store slash DPN. For your convenience, we've left a link to our merch store in the description or wherever you're listening or watching this show. Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. And-